right, I'm hoping we are live now. Looks like I am, Fritz Berger and bloodandfaith.com. It's uh, Sunday morning, 1030, 10.35. It's uh, the 4th of November, 2022. I'm, at ch- I'm actually at church this morning. I got there a little bit late, and I've got the family inside. And uh, I-, I thought I'd share a couple things that I've noticed about churches over there. This, this church that I'm at, it's a great church. It's a wonderful church. There's hundreds of people that go there. It's a typical Oh, evangelical, Protestant, uh, semi-denominational church. And they do a lot of things that I make fun of. Not, and I, I'm, <laughs> I, when I make fun of them, I make fun of them as an insider. I make fun of us. I make fun of me. I make fun of that which I am most familiar with. And it, it, in a way, it's a compliment. Because what do I know about the Catholic Church? Very little. Uh, what do I know about the Episcopal Church that I grew up? Not much anymore. It's literally been decades. I attended Episcopal Church, oh, I don't know, several years ago, and there was two lesbians up there talking. So there's certainly plenty of uh, laughter and uh, humor to go around. But I'm reminded of the scripture that God says there's many parts to the body. Not everybody's a hand. Not everybody's a foot. Not everybody's an eye, not everybody's a mouth. And I think that's true with individuals. I think that's true with congregations as well. Uh, I think we would be poor without the Catholic Church. I think there would be a a spot missing if you didn't have the independent uh, Protestant churches. Uh, I think we would be less rounded if there wasn't the Eastern Orthodox Church. Uh, And same with the Episcopalian Church. They've all got their issues. They've all got their problems. Uh, they've all got their, their place, and they reach different peoples at different times. I'm reminded, especially this morning, of churches such as the uh, Vietnamese Baptist Church and the Chinese Baptist Church that are targeting a very specific ethnicity. And I think that is wonderful. I'm reminded of the Oh, I forget the African Methodist Episcopalian Church that targets Africans. And I think that's fantastic. And I'm reminded of uh, of a few churches that are predominantly white, although not exclusively so, whether it's the Mennonites or the Amish. It's still my opinion that the, the Amish and the Mennonites exist in order to remind the church what we really could be. Truly independent, truly not of this world, truly examples, and truly a people that will last through whatever disaster comes on this country. I think there's a place for that. I think the Mormon church is a, a, a false analogy to that. And I feel bad for so many good Mormon people that are caught up in something that ought not to be. And you have highbrow church and you have lowbrow church. You have intellectual preachers. You have emotional preachers. And who am I to sit there and and criticize any one of them? I'm nobody to sit there and criticize any one of them. They're doing God's work the way they know how, and they're reaching people, and they're doing more than 99% of the people out there. So when I make fun about a clapping club or make fun about a... uh, a 14-step program or a morality club, it's it's not because I dislike what they're doing. 
it's because I'm most familiar with that. But on the other hand, I'll also tell you this. We need to have an understanding that the gospel is for the entire world. And I don't mean geographically. I mean every sphere of human endeavor. Jesus Christ is literally Lord over the United States, over the Constitution of the United States. And I know that drives people insane. I know people get upset about that. I know people people say, well, how, you know, that's uh, anti-democratic. At the end of the day, my loyalty is not to the United States Constitution. It's to a man, a God named Jesus Christ and to his word. And that Constitution comes under that. Now, that's not to say that anybody out there abides by the Constitution, especially these people that are remind me so much of the modern day Pharisees. They remind me so much of the modern uh, of the Pharisees of, of a long time ago, preening, prancing about, proclaiming their own self-righteousness as if they gave a hoot about the will of the people. And they wrap themselves in the flag and they wrap themselves in democracy and they wrap themselves in the Constitution. And they say, we are the great protectors of all that is good and right and true in the country. When they, in fact, go out there and they undermine the Constitution, undermine the Bill of Rights, undermine the First Amendment, undermine the fact that we have a right, not only a right, but a responsibility to speak the truth. And in a country, in a country such as the United States, when we turn away from Jesus Christ, which we have, all of a sudden that is which is good becomes evil and that which is evil becomes good. And certainly that is where we are today as a society. We get all these do-gooders, all these modern Pharisees telling, telling us that you can't, you know, speech is protected but not hate speech. And I read what they say in the press. I read what they say about certain people that have certain opinions. And it's called hate speech and a spreader of hate and it's anti-Semitic and it's racist. It's funny how they can disassociate what people say with the origins of what they're saying when it's convenient. I mentioned the other day that I've yet to see one newspaper in three years now, it's almost three years, uh, exp express where I get my ideas from. They'll throw the little taglines on, oh, it's racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, queerphobic, intolerant, divisive, and most of all, anti-Semitic. But they won't go back and explain where my ideas come from. That would be very threatening if they did that. And I'm also apprised of the, the fact that the little that I do, the little that I think I do, seems to have a out-of-place weight in, in their minds. Why would anybody be concerned with what I have to say on the Internet? But they are. But they do. And that ought to encourage everybody out there. I don't care if you're a keyboard warrior or a mom raising six kids, or a grandma, or somebody that's, I don't care what you, it doesn't, doesn't matter what you are. One voice makes a difference. One extra meme makes a difference. One extra scripture makes a difference. It doesn't matter if you're, you're literate. Copy and paste, baby. 
Copy and paste. This is a war for the little warrior. This is the war for the privates. This is a war of the people that are unknown and unnamed. And will overwhelm them like the tide. You can't stop the tide. You can't stop the tide. And as every single person out there that's loyal to Jesus Christ sows the seed of the word of God out there, puts the word of God out there in the world. One other mind, one other tipping point, one extra drop in the bucket. And the more we do this, the more their heads are going to explode. The more they do this, the more outraged they become. They're absolutely outraged that a guy named, I don't know, Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House, is a Bible-believing Christian. Now, Mr. Johnson and I certainly have our differences. You know what they are. But just the fact that he's making all the Antichrist heads explode, that's, <laughs> that is wonderful. How did that happen? Little people, little voices, but they're all speaking and they're all saying things and they're all moving in a certain direction. Like the tide, you can't control it. You can throw up all the dams you want, but you can't control it. And this is the focus of evangelism. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ at work. When every member of the body, I don't care who you are, what church you go to, what church you don't go to, you get out there, you speak the word. And you don't want to know what words to speak. Speak the words that Satan is most upset about. Speak the words that the devil gets most excited about and, and upset about. And you know what those words are? The stuff that I talk about at bloodandfaith.com outrages people. How dare you claim that Jesus Christ would want to build explicitly Christian nations? It even upsets the pastors. It even upsets the pastors. There's, there's whole pastoral groups, whole preacher groups that, that are about, they will denounce Christian nationalism in the press. <laughs> oh, I think we're over target, baby. I think we're over target. Let alone some of the other more controversial things I talk about and other people too. Every once in a while, my wife says, you know, how come you're just so out of tune with everybody? And I said, you know what? I'm not the only one saying the things I'm saying. Not by a long shot. We may be few and far between. We're not rich. We're not famous. We don't have some organization. But I'm by no means alone at this. And you can go back in history and you could look at people like Martin Luther or John Chrysostom. And you can say, well, they said the same things. You can look at more modern people who have said the same things as well. And when it comes to churches and church traditions, on one hand, yes, traditions are good. There's traditions in my family. My family gets together and we open presents Christmas morning, not Christmas Eve. That's a tradition and that's great. We have Thanksgiving at our place. We have a big turkey Thanksgiving on Thursday afternoon. That's a wonderful, wonderful tradition. And there's many things in the Bible that aren't necessarily, well, there's many traditions in the church that maybe you don't see in the Bible. All Saints Day, All Hallowed's Day, uh, wonderful traditions. Going to church on uh, on Christmas Eve on the 24th of December. That that's I don't I don't know if 20, the 24th of December is is necessarily in the scriptures. I don't think it is. But what a wonderful thing! What a wonderful tradition. 
But for me, how do you know what is true? How do you know what Fritz Berger says is the truth? Maybe it's not. How do you know what Martin, Martin Luther says is the truth or the Pope? How do you know these things? And my answer always goes back to the Word of God. Always goes back to the Word of God. Genesis through the Revelation. Now, you want to take and you want to throw in 2nd Ezra's and 1st Ezra's and Maccabees, that's fine. Put it in there if you're if you're, you're Catholic or whatever tradition has it. I'm all for that. But people will fight tooth and nail about what's in it rather than actually reading what's in it. And I have the great privilege of, of having a Bible. There's so many centuries that, that, since the resurrection where men literally don't have a Bible. I have the privilege of owning a bunch of Bibles, and I make use of it. I, I, I read it. I read it day and night. It's the one thing I read more than anything else in life, by far. And so if somebody talks about something, some controversial subject, you can even go on the Internet. Go to some Bible app, BibleGateway.com. And you can say, well, you know, so-and-so was talking about this. Well, do a search on it. That's how I know that over 80 times in the book of Acts alone, they talk about the Jews. I know that. It's all in there. And then you go take your Bible page by page and you go through it. When you have a society like we do in America, where at some point in the past, Literally, the Holy Scriptures become illegal in government schools. How many generations does it does it take until we have trannies in grade schools? Not many. Two generations, maybe three. You have a, 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 the previous two or three Christian generations literally dying out. And then you grow up with, with kids who become adults whose parents and even grandparents never read the Holy Scriptures. And just to round this out, when we talk about reclaiming America or rebuilding society or building Christian nations, I think that the depths of what we have to do are so far beyond what many of us have imagined. We need to be raising generations, the entire population of a Christian of a Christian nation with an understanding and knowledge of the Holy Scriptures. Where they have the Holy Scriptures and they see them and they read them every day. They read the Proverbs every day. They're familiar with the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. They're familiar with the ancient nation of Israel, which has nothing to do with the modern identity thieves. They're familiar with the sayings of Jesus Christ. And when somebody comes along to, and tells them, look, a boy can be a girl and a girl can be, can be a boy, they're like, you are out of your mind. You, you, you're absolutely insane. God created the male and female. That's the only counter to that. The only counter to lies is the Holy Scriptures. And this is why it's so important, especially for the church, to embrace all of the Holy Scriptures, not, not a little bit of them. And this goes back to why the people who call themselves Jews made such a big, big, to be generous mistake. They had the Holy Scriptures. They had the Law of Moses. They had all the prophets. But they said, nah, you know, we're going to overrule what Moses said with our own traditions. 
Paul says he was more advanced in the traditions than all of his peers. Traditions is not when they speak of traditions, it's not going to going to church on a on a Friday evening. It's these oral traditions that were passed down that took the place essentially of the law of Moses and of the prophets. This is what Jesus Christ went after in Matthew chapter 15. The Pharisees, the teachers of the traditions, the holders of the traditions, wanted to talk about hand washing. And Jesus Christ said, no, we're going to talk about the law of Moses. We're going to talk about the Ten Commandments, which you guys have overturned and rejected, and you reinterpreted it in a way that was never meant to be. And he says, you need to honor your father and mother, and whoever speaks evil of father and mother should be put to death. This is Jesus Christ. I'm not sure that preachers preach this anymore. We're called to honor our ancestors, not speak evil of them, not call them this dirty word and that dirty word. So may all the churches be blessed to the extent that they stick to the word of God. And they're all going to be a little bit different. They all got a little different role to play. And my hat is off to every preacher out there. I'm telling you what, people don't know how hard it is. People have no idea how hard it is to stand in that pulpit every Saturday to deal with all the little <laughs> little Christians in your church that have got this issue and that issue. And there are, there's always bickering and moaning and complaining. And there's always issues. I'm telling you. People have no idea how hard it, you look at the guy on Sunday morning. He's got a nice smiley face. And everything looks good. So my hat's off to anybody that throws their hat in a ring and, and says, you know what? I'm, I'm going to wrestle this beast. I'm going to go pastor a church or be an assistant pastor in a church or, or priest or whatever you want to call it. They're the vanguard. They very much are the vanguard. And so keep them in your prayers. Do what you can to support them. Realize it's a tougher job than it looks. And God bless you all. Fritz Bergen, bloodandfaith.com.